Hello everyone, this is DJ Ambush of the Numbers and X-Ray FM. Senator Lou Frederick represents the North and Northeast Portland in Senate District 22. Senator Frederick has served as Senator since 2017, previously serving in the Oregon House for eight years. Frederick has been a newscaster for nearly two decades and always an educator. Also, Lou Frederick is a member and a leader of the People of Color Caucus in the Oregon Legislature, and that caucus just came out with a set of three legislative proposals to grapple with now and work to pass in the next legislative session. We'll talk about that. Welcome, Senator Frederick. Well, thank you very much. Good to see you, folks. Good to see you. So first question, how, how are you doing, Senator, in, you know, these COVID times? <laughs> well, you know, these COVID times uh, have all sorts of... Uh, impact on me. Uh, I've had, uh, unfortunately, six of my six people that I know, friends who have died as a result of the COVID situation. Uh, I have um, three, uh, I have four basically uh, nieces and nephews who are working in ER uh, rooms around the country. So I worry about them as well. We're in a, we're in a moment right now. And attention can be focused on this particular moment. Is there anything in particular that you would want us to focus on while everything is going on? Well, the issue is, uh, the issues are accountability. Uh, the issues are um, how we deal with, with respect and how we, are, how we are not only being fair, but how we're actually um, having an impact on on the, the, the general public and the world. I, I think that there's a, the, the basic issue is trust. And mm-hmm. we have been struggling with understanding what that trust is about and how to, how to capture it. Because it's not a matter of, of regaining it, it's a matter of capturing it for, for the time. For, for, for people in the black community and other minority communities, uh, the trust has never really been there. We've hoped for it at times but it's not re- ever really been there uh, because we know that at any given time, uh, things could be revert. We could revert to once again, being uh, the other people or the other uh, humans around um, rather than just being, uh, just being generally human. So we, we need to, to establish a new, a new approach. And that's going to be difficult. That's going to be very difficult. And we know that. But the good news is, I think a number of other people now now know that. Uh, you know, it was nice to it was good to see the the thousands uh, along the, um, the the Burnside Bridge yesterday, uh, saying that they that they recognize that it's it's good to see the the number of of letters and emails and speeches and other things that are out there right now. People saying, okay. We've got it. We, 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 we at least understand a little bit of We don't know everything. We don't know exactly what we're going to do. But we now understand that, yes, this is real. This is a problem that we have to deal with. And we can't continue to use rhetoric to say we're going to try to do it. We've got to actually do it. So that's, that's an important thing. That's, that's, that's um, encouraging. Let's put it that way. You mentioned the protesters. What message do you have to the people who laid down on the Burnside Bridge, who've been engaged uh, on sidewalks, in streets, in parks, and Pioneer Square over the last nearly a week now? Well, first of all, I say thank you. Um, that's one thing that I will say. The other thing is, uh, this is uh, demonstrations are good, but they are not enough. Uh, I've I've been in demonstrations since I was about eight years old. Uh, my first tear gas was when I was about eight years old uh, in, uh, in, in Baton Rouge, um, Louisiana. 
And uh, I can, you know, we can do a lot of things with demonstrations, but you then have to take the next step and do other things. You need to take the next step and actually have an impact and go move on to laws and regulations, to, uh, to simple things that, you, that individuals have to do. Like, for instance, just acknowledging people. When they, when they are, when you walk into a, an elevator and you see a, uh, an African-American man, boy, girl, woman uh, there, just nodding and saying hello, rather than saying, rather than either looking as though you're afraid or not acknowledging their presence. Understanding those simple things can, can make a huge difference. We have uh, understanding that, that, the, the rhetoric that we've heard for years about um, what's going on in terms of, of jobs uh, or what's going on in terms of, of housing uh, or education or health care, these are not, these are no longer, that can no longer be um, um, dismissed as just ramblings of someone. We now know that this is in fact real. And we know this both because of the, the recent issues in terms of, of death uh, by at the hands of police, but also because of the COVID crisis, that has that has pointed that out so clearly that we have a um, we have issues of of how we we actually uh, deal with healthcare and and economic security and all of these things. All of those things are are part of it. So w- it's no longer uh, a mystery. It's no longer a oh well. This is this is just. Uh, somebody whining about something, we now know that this is real. And it is time for folks to not, I appreciate the demonstrations, especially those folks who are, uh, and, and who are not being distracted by some folks who want to distract us. Um, but the folks go in and actually take an action, and it doesn't have to be a huge action. It just needs to be a regular understanding that um, these are the issues that are, in fact, confronting your neighbors uh, and even folks you don't know who are across town, uh, that you need to do something about that. You mentioned the legislature. When you join the legislature, one of the, and since you've been in the legislature, we've had far too few African-American representatives in the House of the State Senate. And you have been a voice for police reforms and accountability, I think, since your first term. What do you see now as the changing landscape of power, both maybe in reaction to uh, nationwide, even international protests, also in relationship to your uh, growing seniority in the legislature and to the change? Jeff Barker is now retiring from the state house. How do you see the landscape shifting for passing some of the stuff that you're working on? Well, let me back up just a little bit, because if, if you remember, I, was, I ended up in the special session in 2010. My first session was a special session. Uh, it was a very bizarre thing because I came in at the end of October is when I was, when I was appointed, and um, they, all the bills that everyone had were already set, so I didn't have much to deal with. But I don't know if you remember this or not, Jefferson, but one night at the end of the session, there were, we were up in the house lounge. This is exactly what I was thinking about. Go on. And we were sitting around in the house lounge, sitting around the tables there. And, you know, there was a, a, a lull in the conversation. And Phil Barnhart, 
from Eugene looked over at me and it was, this was after the Aaron Campbell shooting. He looked over at me and he said, what are we going to do about those Portland police? And, and he said that to me and it occurred to me a couple of things. One is uh, if I had not been there, would that conversation have come up? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I doubt it. I doubt if it would have come up. Then, but that's your impression, right? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to project that. But my impression was that that conversation. He didn't. He didn't ask the room. He asked you. And it's right. one example of why representation matters so much. At least that was what I took away. I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, that's exactly right. And that's and that's. So I, I remember that as as part of a of a, a a major part of the story of what I've been doing. So once I once we we I began that then I, I ran officially ran for office. Uh, to be elected uh, for that that next for that November, but during that time, I spent a lot of time putting together a list of probably eleven or twelve, maybe fifteen uh, bills that I wanted to deal with, and most of them dealt with uh, use of force, um, uh, body cameras, um, the ability for folks to use their cell phones and and film what was going on, uh, profiling of one form or another. All of those things we I brought up, and and yes, when they got to some of them, when they got to the um, judiciary committee, uh, Jeff is a good friend of mine. I you know enjoyed him quite a bit. We traveled recently together, um, but uh, he he had a certain view on things that we were not going to agree on. Except at a certain point, he also began to understand that uh, this was not an attempt to uh, attack his friends or his, his community, whatever, uh, he began to understand what was going on in some other situations. So we ended up passing the bill that said that you could not, um, that, you, that police officers could not harass someone who was videotaping, who had their cameras out shooting a, a video of what was going on. We passed uh, two profiling bills that came out of his committee as well. We passed a number of things that were uh, initially dismissed, uh, but we, I kept working on things regarding um, the uh, uh, use of force. Who does the investigation? Uh, how do we deal with body cameras? All of these kinds of things are, are still up in the air, and there's still issues that we need to, to address. Uh, who, how do you track when, a, when, a, when an officer has, been, uh, has, has a, a record of outrageous discipline or outrageous attacks on people. Those are still issues that we're going to be dealing with. But, and things like the arbitration bill, um, which um, that was the last one of the last ones that I had to deal with. I put a bill forward that basically said that um, an arbitrator could not go outside of a, a matrix of decision, of decision and discipline uh, if someone came up before the, uh, a, a discipline procedure. Because in the past, arbitrators were regularly um, dis- dismissing or reversing um, uh, discipline plans and, uh, that, that city councils and mayors and police chiefs had done for, for things. And they were constantly, these, many of these things were use of force issues, and so they would just be completely dismissed. We, we, we reached a point where we, we, we were able to pass a bill that had the support of the state police the sheriff's association, the um, the police chiefs association, um, the uh, 
a whole range of city and county and, and other folks that were saying, yes, we can put together a bill that would allow, uh, that would, would, would put within any union contract the, 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 the statement that, um, that could be put in those union contracts, uh, a discipline matrix for anything that would take place and an arbitrator could not overturn that, could not go outside that matrix. That's an important factor. So we've done that. We also did, uh, we, we also managed to get a bill passed in 2019 that said that any, any recruit, anyone who's recruited to be a police officer in the state of Oregon has to go through a, um, uh, a, a mental health evaluation. That was not the case. Um, we also managed to, but on the other side, we also put together a, a proposal and, and, and passed a bill that said that, that wellness programs need to be available in every, um, in, for, for all police officers in the state so that we know that they have a level of stress. So why don't we make sure that they are, that they are, that somebody's at least paying attention to that. Those are the kinds of things I've been able to do. The profiling bill, though, I've got to tell you, was one of those that unintended consequences were, uh, were Im important. We passed, a, we passed a bill in 2015 that called for uh, profiling, for, to, for folks to track what was happening when people were stopped by police, who was stopped, when, what their ethnic background was like. And then in 2017, we passed another bill. That, that was, the first bill was really sort of a test bill, a pilot situation. The next bill said this was going to be a part of every police force in the state. Um, but attached to that was a very interesting uh, section. And it, it involved taking the, the possession of a controlled substance from being a uh, felony to a misdemeanor for the first two times you might be caught with something like that. Now, I thought that was interesting. I also thought it was really fascinating that it was brought forward by the chiefs of police and the, um, the sheriff's association. Those are the two folks, two groups that, that were really asking for that. I did not anticipate the impact that was going to have because in 2018, after a year of this, I'm oh, sorry, in 2000, yeah, 18, after a year of this, um, this work, a year of this watching folks and seeing what's going on, after a year of that, they, they were able to look at and find out, of course, no one's surprised, that in fact we had uh, significantly um, uh, higher numbers or disparate numbers of African-Americans and Latino folks being pulled over in places. No big surprise there. But here's the one that really got me. The, the, um, the number of African-Americans who were uh, charged with possession of a controlled substance dropped from 300 per 10,000 to 50 per 10,000. Mm. Mm. Now, what, wow. even got, what got me even more interested was I discovered, after talking with some of my friends who are police officers, why that was the case. And it was not why you might think. What was, what was happening was they had, as a, a number of them, had worked in, uh, in places where there was a, a contest, in, uh, internal, not something that was recorded anywhere, but an internal contest on the number of felons you pulled over. Oh, wow. So if you pulled over someone and, it, and you didn't get a felony, it didn't count in your little contest. So 
So this is something separate from an actual quota. Right. This was just a contest they were. A personal contest between folks. So you you didn't get, you didn't get credit for a point for a a, a misdemeanor. So they stopped pulling people over. They stopped playing Uh, fantasy league with people's lives. Right. They stopped, they stopped creating a situation where you had a felony conviction, which meant you could not get housing, education, jobs, mm. bit, uh, commercial business loans. All of those things are based on whether you have a felony conviction or not. Wow. Wow. Uh, so you just ran down a list of some amazing things that have happened. And I know it wasn't easy. What I'm interested in, what I'm very curious about is what what were some of the concerns from the people that were pushing back on, on these legislation that you were trying to push through? Oh, there were different concerns. Some of them felt uh, there, there's a sort of a basic concern that, that we are finally getting, I think, um, um, dismissed, which was, um, as I said earlier, I think it's one of those things where some, some folks thought that, well, you know, that doesn't happen to anybody. I don't understand. You must have been doing something wrong. Um, you know, that, that's, that's, the, that's the, the, the line. So that's, that's one of the sort of basic um, con- concepts that you run into anyway. For others, it was things that you are somehow, um, uh, uh, you're not supporting the people who, who really, who have tough jobs and you just aren't really supporting them by, by questioning whether they're questioning their judgment. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're trying to make snap decisions, and you are you are you are going to uh, hamper their ability to to actually do their job well. That was one of the that was a sort of a constant kind of thing. And the other, I mean, the the other basic kinds of issues were this doesn't happen to me, so how could it happen to you? Mm-hmm. When I when I pointed out a couple of things, when I pointed out that, and I've said this many times now, uh, that. Um, whenever I see a police officer behind me, I wonder whether I'm going to live the rest of the day. And, I, and, and, and one of my colleagues, well, you, uh, Jefferson, you worked with him, Chip Shields. Sure. Uh, Chip, Chip wrote. Who, who, served in your, who served in your Senate district prior to you. Right. Served in my House district prior to me. So <laughs> then went to the Senate and then served. In the, Chip stood on the floor of the Senate uh, when we were passed the last profiling bill and said, you know, I've lived in Portland 20 years. I have never been pulled over by the police. And for me, I was being pulled over by the police once a year my, until my hair got grayer, at least and sometimes more than once a year. Um, but they, uh, that, that, that kind of knowledge, and, and I've got to tell you, um, the, the, the real issue became, well, I, this is Lufert. I know this guy. He's actually telling me what's going on here. Uh, so this is not made up. This is not a statistic. This is a personal relationship uh, that made a big difference as well. Um, and I was able to, then the other things that started happening was that there were folks, especially the, for instance, the, um, 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 the arbitration bill, uh, there were, uh, there are two guys who are in the Oregon house right now, both of them Republican, both of them former police chiefs. and they they jumped on being the uh, chief sponsor of that bill right away. Mm. They said, 
we have tried, there are people that we've been trying for years to get out of the force and we can't do it because the arbitrators reverse us every time. And so they, they were very pleased with that as well. So there are lots of, lot, there are lots of different approaches, lots of different uh, reasons that people uh, rejected it. But um, it was, um, we have, we're starting to get some things done. Now I have, I have uh, 50, actually I said 15, I think it's more likely 25 uh, uh, bill ideas that I'll be putting forward. Uh, but I think that we're gonna get an arbitration bill out before the 2021 session. I think that we may actually include uh, an arbitration bill in the um, special session that we expect sometime later this month. So if that's the case, I'll be very pleased. I want to go back to the scene that you set. So we're talking 10 years ago. It's after the Aaron Campbell shooting. There is a group of legislators in the House lounge. You're the only African-American member of the state house at the time, and therefore the only African-American in that conversation. A white liberal, that's who Phil Barnhart is, asks you the question, hey, Lou, you're the black guy in the room. What are we supposed to do about this cop killing? Okay. And you start sharing some thoughts. There's a conservative Democrat who chairs the committee, the Judiciary Committee, where all of those bills are going to go through. He's a friend, not knocking him, but I think that's, you know, more conservative Democrat than the Democrat who asked you the question. He lets in some bills, blocks some other bills. You might be able to get Republicans to support stuff a tiny bit. They're even less enthusiastic. They end up, for a while, there is split control with Democrats and Republicans. Then Democrats get to control. It doesn't mean you get to run the table. There's still that dynamic. And now it's 10 years later. We're having the same conversation, except it's now not just 11 or 12 people in the House lounge and, you know, maybe one protest in huge, huge, large-scale protests in Ferguson and some mid-scale protests in Portland. But now the whole world is talking about this. And by the way, I feel like the same white liberal who's asking the question, okay, well, okay, what do we do now? Okay, look. What are the proposals now? What do we ought to do to stop the shootings? It, it feels like the same dynamic. Is that a dynamic you welcome? Is it a dynamic you want to change? How do you feel the dynamic has been changing? Well, part of what's happened in terms of the dynamic changing is that you're, you're talking about it this way. And uh, when I, 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 just, I just realized that it's 40 years since I did the, uh, the half hour special on Albina, 40 years after... Wow. Uh, at, mm. 40 years after we dealt with the, uh, the possum incident in Portland. Uh, all of these things, so if, you, if you Google Albina uh, KGW, okay. you'll, you'll find it right away. Uh, but <clears throat> I think the difference is that um, a lot of the, not just the white liberals, by the way, I just got a, a curious note from one of the more conservative people uh, that I've ever dealt with. Uh, and he was pleased with the bills and pleased with the, with what had taken place. He had, he was outraged as well. And talking about being outraged, something that he would never have said six months ago. <clears throat> so, um, so I, you know, th there's, there's, there's that going on. I think that that's, that's part of it. It is now a very visible situation. It, it cannot be um, ignored anymore, and for for years, that's what's what's what was going on. I hope I hope that that really makes uh, a difference. I plan on, frankly, using that as much as we possibly can to make sure that it does make a difference. Uh, you know, these comments, these 
these statements, these letters, these emails, these mm. tweets and everything else that are, that are out there now, I'm going to literally say, you said you wanted to do something. Here is what you can do. Mm. That's, a, that's a different approach. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist about some things. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at. I'm saying, I think we can get this changed because of that. Can I ask you, what are your thoughts on the current citywide curfew? Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, we have some folks who really want to distract uh, from what the real issues are. And it, it, we have to figure out how we deal with those, with those folks. This is a systemic thing too. Right. This, this, the systemic issue regarding the police and, and law enforcement is one thing, but we have a, we have a systemic issue that, that involves both politics and a group that is determined to be as disruptive as possible. And, uh, you know, that's, I mean, yesterday we had thousands and thousands of folks on the Burnside Bridge. They, they walked to Pioneer Square. They had uh, a long time, hours and hours of, of speeches and people just being there to, to, to voice their concerns. And then you have a group of idiots who, well, they're idiots. They, I, that, that's, not, that's not really nice to be saying that in terms of idiots uh, because they are, <laughs> they're more than that. They, they are, in fact, um, they, they are determined to yes. create a chaos. And, uh, and they are determined to create chaos. And I, in my view, they're not tr trying to create chaos because they have uh, something in mind uh, right away. They, they know that, they're, that they can be supported by folks for creating chaos. And so that's what they're going to do. They, they want attention. Um, they, they're, uh, they're, that's part of their whole effort is, just, is to get attention. Well, you know, when you do a demonstration, you're trying to get attention. So that's not a surprise. Right. You're, when, when, you're, when you're doing things like, um, you know, breaking windows or setting fires, um, you're trying to do more than just get attention. You're trying to create a, a system or, or get, a re, get a response, hoping to get a response that will be, um, that will be uh, not productive, um, that, you know, that, that will not really make a difference in the, in the future. So that's what, we, that's what I think we have. We have a group of folks, well-organized too, by the way. This is- Yes. This is not an, a spontaneous effort. And, I, and I've got to tell you, Jefferson, uh, for, uh, Ambers, uh, the, the issue for me has been that I went for a number of the demonstrations over the last few years, I've been downtown. And I've sat, stood on a corner and watched the different groups as they interact and watched the people go by. And I've, <laughs> I, I started noticing something with a couple of the folks or a number of the folks, they would come in, they would have in their backpack, they would, go, they would go to one area and talk with a certain group of people. Then they would turn around, leave that area, go to another section uh, out of sight, but not out of sight for me, but I, I could see them. They would change clothing or they would put so, uh, something on so that they were not recognizable. And then <clears> they go into uh, uh, the other group and begin to agitate and create, you know, start, start, start a fight with someone else. Wow. And, 
And I'm sitting there going, well, you know, what's going on? And then they would leave that group, go back, change back into their other garb, and go and join the other. And, and I've got to say, the first, the, the group that they would finally join were primarily the, uh, the folks that they wanted to call themselves Proud Boys or Three Percenters or whatever. Mm-hmm. They, they would, that's what they would do. Essentially, essentially white supremacist adjacent organizations, right? Well, yes. But what, yeah. what, they, what we are talking about is our folks who are um, agents provocateurs. Mm-hmm. That's what they were doing. Uh, and I've been seeing the, the agents provocateurs for decades now. Um, my first probably real experience with them were, uh, was when I was, uh, work, when I was uh, in high school. And I was part of a, of a peace group. Uh, dealing with Vietnam War, and so we were meeting as we were, you know, there were it was a peace group, and they we were meeting and and uh, we started having this one guy show up regularly uh, for a couple of days, couple of, couple of meetings, and then the, on the third meeting he decided to say, you know, what we really should do is we really should blow up that draft board, um, uh, or we should blow up the police station or something like that. And we said, wow. you don't understand, this is a peace. Well, listen, he said. I've got some C4. I can get it right away. Wow. And, and if you want it, I can do this right. We, and we literally stopped in the middle of the, the meeting and said, listen, if your idea is, is to try to blow up folks or things, you, don't, you need to go someplace else because that's not what we're about. You need to, to leave uh, at some point. And he said, you guys are just not, you don't care about things. You could really get something done this way. He said, no, no, we couldn't. And so you need to leave. Well, he ended up not coming back. About four years later, I was on the streets of Atlanta, and I was walking down the street, down, down the street of Atlanta, and, and uh, one of the major streets, and I, and I looked over, and I saw this guy, wow. and I walked over to him, and I said, hello, how are you? And I think his name was Don or Dan or something like that. Said, he said, he looked, and he said, I don't, I don't know you. He said, yeah, yeah, I remember you from, from you know, back in the 60s, uh, late 60s, you came to our, our, um, our meeting. He said, no, I never, 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 never was there. Ne- never did anything like that. I said, yeah, yeah, you were, you were part. No, I, no, I, no, no, just quit bothering me. I went, okay, fine. Well, I walked away and then I, uh, but I, 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 and if I'd had a cell phone that time, I would have taken a picture of him mm. because he was in his um, police uniform. Okay, so that was not the plot twist I saw. It's a good coming. plot twist. I don't think. Wow, that was a pl- it was a plot twist. Yeah, that was a Jordan Peele uh, plot twist. <laughs> he was he was in this his uniform at the time. <laughs> wow, and, you know, a little a little clean, a little more cleaned up, but it was still the same guy. Same guy. How would you categorize the media coverage of the set of issues and? What recommendations would you give for, for that coverage? Oh, <laughs> I have a long list, but um, the, the part, of it, part of it is a problem because of, of what the media is able to do these days. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of it. They no longer have the, the, the staff, the people to do the things that I think they could do. Um, they're not covering, they're, they're not allowed to cover things because they don't have the time and the people. So, you know, if I, I would, I would not just put somebody in a, in a, with, a, with a major camera up somewhere, but I would have them spend some time literally walking with the crowd just to see what was going on. I would, I would get behind the crowd to find out what was going on because right now most of the media ends up dealing with 
the uh, the initial the the confrontation that they can possibly see between um, the, uh, the the marchers and the police, and at the begin at the front of the crowd, that's where they that's where they they spend their time. I would get back behind the crowd and see what's going on to at, at the back and on the sides just to see what's going on. You can't see very much from a helicopter. You, right. you, you know, you, you can't really see the kinds of uh, interaction that, that can take place otherwise. So I would try to find out that. And I would, I would make it a point of really doing an investigation on who is out there and in what, in what garb and why. They're not able to do that. They simply, they simply don't have the people. I mean, the, the Oregonian has gone, I think they, they, they laid off something like 400, 500 people at, at one time. I want to get back to the proposals that you're, uh, that you're advancing. So now there is this moment when a lot of people, a lot of Phil Barnharts are saying, hey, Lou, what do we do? And some of those Phil Barnharts are OPB. Some of those Phil Barnharts are maybe KGW now. Uh, other members of the legislature. What do we do? You came out with three things. I want to go... I'd like to go over all three of them. Let's go over them. What, if, which one would you want to pick first? What would you say if you could only pass one thing? And I'm guessing there are going to be a lot of people who want to pass a slate of stuff, right? Anything they think might have some impact. But if you're going to pick one, where do you want to start? Well, first of all, you're right. There are people who want to pass a slate of things. I have a slate of things that I want to pass. I think that the, I think the arbitration bill is going to, pass, going to come, come forward uh, in any sort of special session at the end of June, I hope, or in, in June. And I think that will pass pretty quickly. Uh, that's one of the issues that, that people want to be able to deal with. But there are um, issues related to the definition of excessive use of force. We need to really look at that and determine just what that means. And then there's issues regarding um, investigation. When you do have a ex- uh, use of force, excessive use of force, who does the investigation? Um, should it be, it, it shouldn't be the, the police department itself, because there's clearly a conflict of interest there. Let's dwell on that one for a moment, because this, I think, is exactly, I mean, you're trying to get, trying to get people to be more and more policy nerds, right? People who are willing to, to get on the street on Burnside, right, and lie down. People who put a Black Lives Matter, you know, sign in their front yard. And then how do they actually connect them to people who are trying to make some policy change? Policy change isn't the only kind of change, cultural change, economic change, contribute a lot of ways to engage. But to try to get some more people engaged in what's going on. This bill, and to connect to what's happening nationally, this is essentially what we're seeing in Minnesota, right? I mean, you saw that the uh, the, the Hennepin County DA tried to uh, issue the initial complaint, which when I read that complaint, that looked like it was written by a DA who was in partnership very often with police officers who I would suspect had a track record of helping police officers not get uh, disciplined or at least not get criminally punished. And it turns out that's the track record that that district attorney had. And then Keith Ellison, the attorney general from Minnesota, takes over the case. It seems it sounded like when I read about this bill, you want to have that be standard operating procedure. The attorney general would take on those cases from the beginning. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I've got a little bit of a nuance to that. I, I don't because the attorney general doesn't have a lot of folks. They, what, you don't have to have the attorney general taking it on as the attorney general, but the attorney general can create a, a team for each one of those, of those places that was, would be from outside the jurisdiction or would not be connected with, say, you know, Multnomah County or not be connected with Lane County 
that they it would be uh, a, an investigator and a and a, a, a and a, a, a DA or somebody from someplace else in the state who could come in as a tiger team uh, coming in to decide how to uh, who's going to take on those particular issues that that would be that's my that's my particular approach that's uh, because you know I recognize that the attorney general um, the, first of all they uh, the DAs hate having somebody having the attorney general come in and take take over a case but if it's another DA who's doing it and they are not they are not having to be uh, as as close to the to the uh, police or the other DAs if they they have a different sense of um, of not expectation but they're they're not as tied to the either the attorney general or to the local uh, officials that would make a difference so I'd like to see something like that what about transforming public safety pretty broadly? I mean, there is now the initial piece of conversations, and it's not brand new, but it's louder than it was a week ago, where it's, hey, it's not just about let's do a little bit, let's do recruiting differently or make sure that, that, uh, that uh, the uh, use of force is handled differently either beforehand or afterwards, but even just wholesale looking at how we do first response and how we do public safety and not just think and that could that could include demilitarization of the police right what kind of what kind you know are they are they getting aftermarket tanks or are they or are they not but that also goes to the kind of services that get funded and and i don't think you have to be a you know an acab enthusiast to raise the question of should we have first responders who are trained primarily is in the first instance as social workers, as mental health professionals, as people who are able to uh, who are able to de-escalate situations. That doesn't. It, maybe they still. Maybe they sell a fire. Maybe they don't. Maybe they still are the people who put people in jail. Maybe they're not. But is there now room for an even deeper and broader conversation about transforming public safety? I think that's exactly what's going on. Um, you know, uh, I had a friend of mine who wrote a, an interesting article talking about the creation of the Bobbies in in London, mm. and uh, and and then and and he he also talked about the fact that when he went out on a, on a um, uh, a ride along, he noticed that most of the time the police officers were not dealing with major crime issues; they were dealing with um, mental health issues or social service issues or or things. The, the uh, conflict resolution kinds of things that were not that did not require a, a weapon, uh, but required uh, the ability to. Do. So the question really becomes: What are the major things that police officers have to deal with? Uh, and and what you know what is the job really about? And do can we put together basically a force of people who can do those things? And when we have a significant you know, um, bank robbery or something like that. There, there can be teams of folks ready to do deal deal with that. Um, you know, part of this, part of this is our cultural situation right now. We have spent. I mean, at any given time, if I turn on the TV right now, I'm going to get Law and Order, CSI, NCIS, uh, all of these. You know, uh, shows that 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 show. Um, usually, it's a young woman who gets killed, and then they decide how they're going to uh, capture the guy who, a uh, guy who did it. Um, that's the, that's the, the basic theme. But we have a lot of folks, a lot of 
themes that are based around that. The, the, the real issue, though, becomes how do you recruit for, for the police? If, if we have people coming in because of the, this, this image that they have, they come in, you ask them why you want to be a police officer, and they say, well, I wanted to be a police officer to catch the bad guys. Well, if that's their, that's their motivation, they're going to start looking at everybody as a bad guy. Absolutely. And they're, they're going to determine that, they are, that they're outside of that, that particular group, and that, makes it, that can make a difference. If we, if we really want to say, you know, police officers, and most of the police officers that I know don't go into, I want to catch a bad guy. In fact, if somebody says that, I think they would want to say, you need to go to another profession. Uh, but they are, they're there. They, they will tell you that their basic thing is to protect and serve. Well, if that's true, then let's look at what the basic um, jobs are for a, for, for a, for a police, policing force and make it a, a different thing than, than becoming a, an occupying force which is what we've seen happen in other places. And the thing I want to pull out is you didn't just say how the police department might change. You said, look at the need that is there, and maybe that's a new force. Maybe that's not an Air Force. Maybe that's a Coast Guard. Maybe that's something that has, a, has an enhanced additional set of skills. Right. I'm reminded of the movie Backdraft. Right. We're like, like, oh, this is what fires are like, like the fire is going to come and get you. And well, it turns out that house fires are three percent of the calls that firefighters deal with. Mostly they deal with health care calls. The world has changed since we set up these agencies over 100 years ago. So I, I do encourage that conversation. Ambush, though, I've been going on. <laughs> so we're working on a teach in uh, timed right around Juneteenth. A whole day focused on issues and lessons of racial justice. It's right around the corner. What are some of the areas that we should focus on this year, in your opinion? Well, I think we, we have, a, we have a, a whole cluster of things to deal with. Um, I think we should, we should be looking at the health care issues. You know, if, uh, we, we need to be looking at, at the housing issues. We have an incredibly huge percentage of African-Americans who are houseless. Um, and, and those that are not houseless are are barely staying, staying ahead of things because of the gentrification that's taken place. We no longer have, we're not going to be pulling everybody back into North and Northeast Portland uh, right. as much as people might want that to happen. And many folks don't want to come back into North and Northeast Portland too. Let's be very clear about that. So um, we, we've got to look at the, the housing issues and, and how um, some of the, uh, the mortgage um, companies have managed to, to really create major problems uh, in, 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 in the, for, especially for African-Americans, especially for older African-Americans. So we need to look at that. We need to look at education. You know, uh, a lot of folks get really excited about, um, about the, the, the technology now that, we have, that we're using, except that a lot of African-American folks don't have access to a computer or don't have access to a broadband, don't know, how, don't know what to do about that, cannot afford either the broadband uh, connection or whatever. And, they, and, and for many of the kids, they need to have, because not just African-Americans, but Latino and, 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 and Asian, Asian Americans and other folks and Native Americans, they need to have, their, their culture requires not the screen here. It requires people connecting with them. And, and that, that they, they expect that kind of thing. That's the, that's the best uh, learning that they want to do. And the other thing, of course, is to, We've got to look at um, the economic development issues. The, 
one of the one of the problems we have is that there's still a redlining that takes place. There's still a situation where African American businesses were not able to get the, the funds that that came out of the came out of the Fed. Not just because you know these huge companies were getting millions of dollars, but also because the banks that were in, that were part of that that process, they were in fact. Um, only giving loans to people that they knew, and they didn't know, they didn't have long-term uh, involvement with African American businesses. So that that's that's got to be part of it as well. And then just um, some very simple understandings of how we actually work together. We have not we have not done that. Um, we've um, I'm on I'm on Zoom calls pretty much all day. <laughs> Uh, or listening into committee meetings, uh, but the Zoom calls, uh, a lot of African American Zoom calls, which are great, but we and we're fine, we're starting to actually work together to get past the kind of fight over the crumbs approach that we've had over the last over the the, the last few decades, um, and we're trying to get past that. So part of that 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 would be something that I would hope we would begin to do. It is also not important. And I say this as an elected official, and I'm supposed to be promoting myself. It's not as important for me to get a name on something. Uh, it is important for us to get a community uh, really working together on things. So that's that's what that's how how I would approach that. So real real quick, uh, talking about it's how it's not important that you get your name on something. Having the community really take ownership and feel like they're a part of the process. Could you speak to the importance of representation and participating in the census and voting? Well, thank you for bringing up the census. Uh, absolutely. The census is, is so important. Folks don't realize it. They, 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 it, we have to have knowledge of who's out there. And if we don't have knowledge of who's out there, we're going to have, um, we're not going to get the resources available. The, the census helps us navigate where, where, where things should be done and how we should do roads, how we should do libraries, how we should do schools, how we should do healthcare. All of those things are, are part of what the census is about. So that's, that's, that's a given. Uh, representation is important, but, but really understanding the system is also important. All right. Uh, you've given us a couple of stories and just some of the progress that you've made has given me hope. <laughs> it's, it's been inspiring. Uh, is there are there any additional stories or is there a final story that you would want to share with the public with our listeners to instill hope in them? There's a there's a there's a basic thing that I that I want to I really want to end with if we if we deal with this. For me, the issue is where do we want to be in five years? Mm. What does our future look like? Ten years. What do we want to see in ten years? Uh, I want to see so many patents coming out of black students uh, who have gone from Portland or from other places to universities and they're coming back with patents that they're we're seeing businesses uh, you probably know Stephen Green um, yes. you know uh, to, to, to have that many businesses uh, created the innovation the, the healthcare I want to see us with a strong healthcare system not just trying to um, to uh, deal with the, the deficits, but in fact, deal with 
how we, we are healthy, actually being healthy. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see a situation where the housing uh, issues are no longer the, the paramount issue of what, we, of what we are handling around the state and, and, and around the, certainly in the city. Um, and, and education is, is a real key for me. Um, you know, the, the early learning programs we know work. So let's make sure that, you know, in 10 years, those kids who are presently uh, being born or whatever, or just, just starting to go into pre-K, they're graduating not only in terms of numbers, but they're graduating with the idea that they really want to learn something new. Right. I'd like to make sure that all of, all of the African-American kids in, who come out of Portland schools in, in 10 to 12, in Oregon schools, come out of Oregon schools in the next 10 years, speak at least two languages. I'd love to say it's two languages other than English, but speak at least <laughs> two languages. That's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see a situation where we are, we are um, encouraging and, 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 and involved with the talents and, and others, other things that we can see for people across the, across the, uh, the country. That's what I'd like to see happen. Thank you so much. That's great. That was a great answer. <laughs> Senator Frederick, thank you so much for spending this time. Thanks for your service. Uh, it is it's a weird deal not to be able to be in the same room, uh, and, but it's really nice to be able to see your face. And, and I really appreciate you taking this time and giving some people some historical perspective on how some of the arc of history has been aimed to be bent over the last decade plus, over the last 40 years since you did your Albino st- series. But thank you so much for today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it.